Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back up here. I've had a couple weeks off. Feels good to get back into, uh, into the mix a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about progressive revelation. It's uh, something I've been praying for for a bit, for myself. And I got a nice chunk of that a couple weeks ago when I went and visited Tikvat Yisrael in Cleveland. A little more about that in a little later. But re- progressive revelation is something Rav Mike used to talk about quite a bit. Revelation is just God either speaking to you, revealing something about him to a person or a whole nation. Revelation is pretty easy to understand. Progressive revelation suggests that uh, it sort of builds on itself over time. And there's a great example of that in this week's Torah portion. I'm going to read in the English what Brian read in the Hebrew. It's very difficult especially when you're not used to speaking in public, to come up here and you're practicing it at home and it has all the vowels in it, and then you get into our scroll in front of a bunch of people and there's no more vowels there. It's just consonants. And sometimes between the nervousness and, and that, it gets a little, a little hard sometimes to keep your flow going. I'm going to begin in this week's Torah portion. It's on page 65, Shemot chapter 6. Or Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, I believe it starts in. Here's an example of like a progressive revelation. You'll see in just a second here. God spoke to Moshe and said to him, I am Adonai. Okay, listen. I appeared to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov as El Shaddai, although I did not make myself known to them by my name, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. That's four Hebrew letters and... Um, the Hebrew alphabet. Also with them I established my covenant to give them the land of Canaan, the land where they wandered around and lived as foreigners. Uh, I've heard the groaning of the people whom the Egyptians are keeping in slavery, and I have remembered my covenant. He is going to redeem his people. So from the first reading there, we see that he appeared to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and it says, as El Shaddai, but I did not make myself known to them by my name, yod heh vav now, this is a little perplexing because it does seem that Abraham did know him as yod heh If you turn back to Genesis chapter 12, it's on page 11. Um, this is talking about Abraham here, okay? Genesis chapter 12, in verse 8, Abraham, it's talking about Abraham. It says, he left that place, that's his Abraham, he went to the hill east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Um, with Bethel to the west and I to the east. He built an altar there and called on the name of Adonai. Now that's not El Shaddai. When you read that in the Hebrew, it's Beshem yod heh Here he builds an altar and he calls on the name of yod heh That's Avraham. So it's hard to sort of square that with this week's Torah portion, where the Torah says he only revealed himself as El Shaddai, and they didn't know him by yod heh vav How does one make sense of that? It seems like a contradiction. The Kumash notes as much, and Rashi tries to reconcile this by saying that it is a, a step up in revelation of how God is interacting with his people. It's not so much, you got to get just the phonetic sound of the name out of your head. It's not talking about how you pronounce the name. It's what the name entails and his revelation to mankind. 
Because what we're going into with this week's Torah portion, it's the 10 plagues. A few chapters from now, it's going to be the Sinai experience. This is a rare time in the history of earth that the Lord is working um, in such a public way. You know, thousands of people at a time or millions seeing all these plagues and, uh, and just, uh, um, you know, 15 chapters from now, it's the Mount Sinai experience and the mountain full of fire. I mean, this is, uh, it's not often that these kind of things happen and this is a whole lot of uh, divine revelation, a lot of activity happening all at once. So this, is a, this time period here is very rare. And so Rashi points out that this is a ramping up, the revelations progressing. Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they had revelation, they had promises, but now that revelation's progressing into something greater. Now they're being redeemed out of that. That was the meaning that he says, they didn't know me by this level of revelation. The odd thing is, going forward, the people had a hard time processing it. They had a hard time receiving and responding to that revelation. It's not long, right after the Mount Sinai experience, that the children of Israel got all screwed up with a golden calf. And then as they're leaving Egypt, how many times are they grumbling about Moshe and Adonai is about to smite the whole peoples? I mean, you'd think if I was there, I wouldn't be grumbling or anything. You'd think the experience would be so shocking that you'd be like, uh, on your toes forever, and it's hard to understand why these people just couldn't get it. There was another rare time in the world's history, many centuries later, um, when there was a child born in Bethlehem. And this also sets up a unique time in the period of this earth where the Lord is going to do a lot of work in a very public way. Thousands and thousands of people are going to see this, and um, again, you'll see some parallels here. Um, the disciples, the Talmudim, they also had a hard time processing what they're experiencing. It's weird. It's just like the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. Um, turn to Mark chapter 4. It's on page 1267. So here's another time in Earth's history where there's something very, very profound happening. And you'd think, holy smokes, these guys ought to get this. Revelations even further now. The Lord is going to reveal more of himself with the life, death, and resurrection of Yeshua. Yeshua's spending all kinds of time with the people, going from town to town. He's got his Talmudim with him for years, several years. He's working with them every day. Chapter 4, he's, uh, he's saying some parable, parables here. If we start at verse 10, it says, When Yeshua was alone, the people around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he answered them, To you the secret of the kingdom of God has been given, but to those outside everything is in parables, so that they may be always looking but never seeing, always listening but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. He's quoting, quoting Isaiah here, of course. Then Yeshua said to them, Don't you understand the parable? Uh, how will you be able to understand any parable? And then he goes on to explain the parable. Uh, near the end of the chapter, if you could just go down to around verse 40, um, this is when the, there's a big storm, right? And uh, Yeshua is calming the winds and the waves. Verse 39, he awoke, this is Yeshua, rebuked the wind 
and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind subsided, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you no trust even now? But they were terrified and asked each other, who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? It just seems that the Talmudians sometimes seem clueless, or they seem like they lack a little bit of faith. And it's not just here. It's Mark chapter 8. It's Mark chapter 14. Um, that's just the book of Mark. There's several other examples where it seems that these guys um, really struggled to sort of deal with the amount of revelation that they were getting. Now we get it. The, the message that Yeshua was bringing that he had to leave them was a little difficult for them to process because their expectation was there was going to be a king coming, a redeemer that was going to destroy Rome and uh, liberate Israel and that they'd li live in peace and harmony for the messianic age and that really wasn't going to happen. So I get that their expectations weren't quite there, but you'd think spending that much time with Yeshua, some of it would sink in a little bit and these guys just sort of seem to be uh, clueless. But again, Revelation's ramping up. It is progressing and it's about to progress one more time, really, for our benefit. You'll see why in just a moment. As he's getting ready to leave this earth, Yeshua gives us some promises in John chapter 16. Page 1352, John chapter 16. This is nearing the end of Yeshua's ministry. See, John chapter 16, I think I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. This is, of course, Yeshua speaking. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, to everyone's advantage, that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforting counselor will not come to you. However, if I do go, I will send him to you. So now it's Revelation's going to progress even further. There's something that hasn't been here before, a comforting counselor. When he comes, he will show you that the world is wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment, about sin, that people don't put their trust in me, about righteousness, and that I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me, and judgment, and that the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't, bear, you can't bear them now. You see, there's still revelation to come. You just can't even give it to them because they can't handle it. It's going to progress. Moreover, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but will say only what he hears. He will also announce uh, to you the events of the future. He will glorify me because he will receive from what is mine and announce it to you. Amen? So we see even Revelation progressing here. And then after the resurrection, they stick around Jerusalem long enough to make it to Shavuot. What happens at Shavuot? Even more revelation is poured down on these people. Revelation is something that progresses. Except now, when they're at Shavuot, they have the benefit of the comforting counselor, somebody helping them out, that spirit of truth that is within them. I think that's really important for us today because I think... Today, we're very close to another one of those rare events in the history of the world where the Lord's going to make himself in a very public way to the world revealed. And it's during that time we're going to want to really be in tune with the Spirit, want to be in tune with, uh, with Adonai. 
And all the signs are there. And if you're just paying attention, the boxes are easy to check. The most obvious one's the state of Israel is here. After 2,000 years, the people are bringing themselves, or the Lord's bringing the people back to the land. All the prophets speak of that. Of course, we see the nations coming against Israel, joining together, coming against Israel. I mean, it's the United Nations, the modern Tower of Babel. That's easy to see. Daniel chapter 12, you see those prophecies coming true with the increase in transportation and the expansion, great expansion of knowledge suddenly. That certainly is here. Matthew 24, you can go through that. Check, 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 right? I mean, the branches on the fig trees are starting to look like they're sprouting. What is different this time is we have a spirit of truth that's going to help us receive and respond to these revelations because as this earth has gone through time, it's just been progressing and progressing layers and layers. And now with that comforter and that spirit of truth, I think we are uh, well poised to start to weather some of the birth pangs. And that's there's still things to be revealed. We all receive uh, revelation and process it differently, but we've all experienced revelation on some level or another. That's why you're sitting here or listening to this online is because something prompted you in your head. Sometimes revelation's really obvious, like a plague of frogs or you know something insane. Sometimes it's just a little voice in your head trying to connect some dots as you're reading through the Bible. It's like the spirit voice that idea right in there and something connects and it's like aha you know that's uh that's the spirit working um so even though we may see some of the signs of another great event and we're asking for truth from the spirit um, we are uh kind of readying ourselves of course for the return of messiah there's still a lot of work to do There's still stuff that, you know, we have our day-to-day duties and we still have to uh, seek the kingdom and we still have to do, you know, do kingdom work. This gets us to the practical application um, portion of my message, which means we're near the end. Practical application is our trip to Tikvah, Yisrael. Um, A couple weeks ago, me and my wife uh, drove to Cleveland and attended a Messianic Jewish synagogue there. The rabbi's name is Eric Lakatos. I first met him about five years ago-ish at a UMJC conference in Chicago. Let me set this up. For about the past year, I've been, I wouldn't say struggling, struggling a little bit, but sort of um, needing direction, ministry-wise. Should we, what conferences should I go to? UMJC conference, winter conference, rabbi's conference, MJA conferences, should I go to the Melkut conference from FFOZ? So we try and be trying to join one of the umbrella organizations. I just wasn't sure. I like all these people and organizations, but it's just kind of difficult for me to find direction. So I was praying about that for a little bit, for a long time, for about the past year. And I began receiving lots of little revelations. Maybe some people might call them confirmations or witnesses. It's hard to say, but they built up and uh, it was pointing me to go visit my friend uh, Eric down there in Cleveland. So we did that. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, You know, especially like in in leadership, it's difficult. It was really great to be able to go and uh, be so encouraged by him. I got to spend several hours with him and his elders, me and my wife. They they took us out to eat. And a great talking with them and encouragement from someone that I would consider superior is great. 
very encouraging. Um, and I received some clarity, you know, that uh, I was wondering about. It's, it seemed just to fit so great. The message that he gave, um, you can find it online. He live streams all the stuff from two weeks ago when I was there, was about the Messianic Jewish world and how connected they are, especially because they're an MJAA congregation. There's a hundred of those in the United States alone, and there's a lot more across Europe. There's South America, Australia, even Africa, India. I mean, there's a lot of these MJA congregations. They're all connected. And he, uh, you know, it's just you get a lot of encouragement from going to some of the meetings that they have, and they draw uh, spiritual nourishment from each other. And I, similar to my experience, even going to his congregation, very helpful for me. And so everyone, though, has work to do. Everyone sitting here has a job. Everyone sitting here or listening has a purpose. Um, and Adonai wants to reveal truth and purpose to all his children. It's, it's our job to listen and receive it and respond to it, but we've got to be tuned in. We've got to be, uh, it's like the old TV antennas before cable. I remember as a kid moving the antennas around. You know, the farther you're oriented wrong, the worse the picture is. That's sort of like your spiritual life. You got to make sure you're paying attention, orient it right, so you can receive a good picture. And that's something that uh, varies at times because it looked great yesterday, and the next day you're moving around again because it seems like something goes off. And that's just kind of life. You always have to be making sure that uh, you know that spiritual antenna is adjusted. That way you're oriented towards Him. That will put you in the best position to receive um, revelation. And so. We pray for wisdom, discernment, revelation, of course. There's many other nuggets uh, that I really am working on, drawing out of that meeting that I'm still processing and going through. So in the coming weeks, I will uh, be um, sharing some more of that with you guys um, from time to time. So, But I just want to encourage us all to pray for each other. As the birth pangs get stronger, we need to be praying for each other to weather spiritual battles that we all face from time to time. May we continue strengthening ourselves, of course, in Torah learning and prayer and mitzvahs. That's how we prepare ourselves to receive revelation. May, may our prayers uh, help us strengthen ties with our friends in the Messianic Jewish movement. And may the Spirit dwell within us, helping us, encouraging us, giving us the strength to do His will and walk in His ways. Shabbat Shalom.